Welcome to the Nash Biz Podcast, a podcast specifically for business owners in Nashville, Tennessee. Whether you're seeking the best strategies for scaling your business, networking opportunities, or just plain old entertainment, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. What is going on, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am one of the hosts of the Nash Fizz Podcast with my business partner and co-host, John Trusty. Today, we have Chad Fry. Chad is a newcomer to Nashville, originally from the middle of nowhere, i.e. Nebraska. And having traveled to over 30 countries, he recently relocated from Washington, D.C. And he's here to spread some education, information, and cannabis culture throughout the Southeast. Chad has held a multitude of roles throughout the hemp and cannabis industry, And one that he is focusing his energy and passion behind is as the founder of Flowers, a hemp-derived CBD company that offers products that you can feel. Prior to the cannabis industry, Chad worked as a business consultant for seven years, successfully launching two beta platforms for lucrative Fortune 500 companies throughout 11 major markets in the U.S. His extensive knowledge of business development, sales and marketing, startups, food and beverage, agriculture, supply chain, and construction management. Chad, what's going on, man? Hey there, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. So I just introduced you to the bio that you sent me, um, but I want to hear in your own words how you would introduce yourself. Let's say we're on an elevator. We're on floor 12. We're going down to floor one, and you have to introduce yourself before we get down to the bottom floor. How would you do that? Yeah, I would generally start with, you know, right now my life is consumed with cannabis and I consume cannabis all the same. I think (laughs) cannabis is definitely a hot button issue. So on that ride down, I try and make it so that you could digest everything that's going on. Um, And usually how we do that is by asking questions, right? You know, what interests you about cannabis? Why are you interested in hemp or CBD? There's so many hot button issues out there, but what we are really interested in are the solutions to our problems in everyday life. And one of those problems that it seems like most everyone is going through right now is anxiety, stress, and inflammation and pain. And, you know, being locked up, whether that's because of the pandemic or just, you know, being safe in all regards, one thing that we provide is a genuine product to people that is looking for a genuine product to help them find a solution for one of those issues. Um, you know, myself, I try and take myself out of the equation because I'm not that interesting, but uh, with the products that we try and develop, those are really interesting. And what those do are more than everything or anything that I could ever do. Um, you know, and that's not just from a consumer packaged good perspective. That's also from a textile and industrial perspective. Um, you know, one thing that we try and champion here at Flowers, as well as our other subsidiaries that we operate is the benefit of cannabis that has been stigmatized for the last 80 years. Love it. Well, I, I think we went below floor one on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Parking garage one for sure. No, that, that, but that's okay. That's okay. So, so why cannabis? Uh, obviously, you know, you see the benefits nowadays of what it can do for people with conditions such as anxiety, depression, et cetera. And also there's some money there, but why did you get into cannabis? What opportunity did you see there? Yeah. So I got into cannabis when I was doing business development for a commercial real estate and brokerage firm based in Medellin, Colombia. 
that firm was called River Oak Capital, and I was coming on as developing out their development side of house. So their analysts, auditors, um, brokers, et cetera, they were looking for structured compliance as well as new development. And that's kind of the world that I come from, a recovering Fortune 500 consultant. And with that, I came in and we were lending towards a greenhouse facility in Greenfield, excuse me, Greenfield, California. And that facility is one of the largest indoor greenhouse operations. And I just happened to come across it. Uh, they were looking to refinance their assets. They had a lot of auditing risks that they were up against. They had a fire like a year before. Uh, so they lost half their grow and they were refinancing about 22 million in hard assets. From that, I met a lot of really great people and it was scratching the surface of what cannabis could do. Uh, I think it really resonated with me because I, again, as you said, grew up in Nebraska and I grew up on a farm and the agriculture perspective of what hemp and cannabis as an agricultural commodity can do really blew me away. And I started looking into uh, regenerative farming. I started looking into the sustainability of carbon sequestration, of healing and releasing nitrogen into the soil that's been depleted uh, over crop sharing and tillage and things of that nature. And it really brought me back to when I was young and when I was really interested in agriculture and it is a burgeoning industry and it resembles the dot-com boom. And I never, or I was a little bit late to the dot-com boom because I'm a little bit younger than most. And, you know, with that, it's a burgeoning industry that we can leave a legacy on. So it's pretty exciting. Chad, so I know that there's got to be a bunch of regulations and issues uh, that you face moving into a new industry like this. Uh, one of the common ones, obviously, is some of the marketing issues, right? Can you talk to us about some of those common issues that you're facing and kind of how you're working through them? Absolutely. Yeah. Great question, John. I think one of the major barriers to entry and one of the biggest encumbrances that we come up against is the marketing aspect of being a small business. At the end of the day, we're a small business like anyone else, right? So we would love to be able to market on Facebook or Instagram or Google AdWords like every other business is allowed to do, but we are handcuffed and not allowed to do that. You know, on one edge of the sword, I understand that because you want to have regulatory compliance and you want to make sure that children are not utilizing cannabis as a psychoactive product, right? Right. You want to make sure that kids aren't vaping like they were with Juul and getting addicted to nicotine or, you know, addicted to any type of substance for that matter. And on the other side of it, I understand that going through regulatory compliance and working on legislative bills throughout multiple states, you know, moving here from Washington, D.C., where I spent about six years on and off, I had a strong hand in advocacy for cannabis. Um, and what we see very evidently is that just people don't know. People don't understand cannabis. They're afraid of it. It's been stigmatized for so long. There's been the war on drugs. People are locked up for it. So there's this changing dichotomy of what the cannabis industry is. 
as well as people that are trying to diversify their portfolios from dying industries and really pushing those assets into this industry. So it is a juggling act. Um, but to come back to your question, John, the marketing perspective is the most difficult perspective that we are up against because I think our Instagram account has been shut down eight times now wow. <laughs> for nothing more than posting about uh, CBD education, cannabis education and, and the lot. Right. So correct me if I'm wrong, but there it's, you basically can't market any of the benefits that it does have. So is that on kind of, kind of correct? Correct. Yeah. And, and so when making, so this goes back to federal drug enforcement agency and, and, and excuse me, the, the food and drug administration, the FDA basically states that you cannot have any disease mitigating claims on any type of marketing, packaging, et cetera, if you are not a dietary supplement or an approved drug, meaning that dietary supplements you see on the back of your pre-workout or your whey protein, the FDA has not administered any oversight on this product. Uh, none of these claims are made approved by the FDA. Et cetera, et cetera. We can't even do that, right? We can't even say that there are some words like calming, right? Calming is a little bit of a gray area because it's a feeling, but it's also something that you could feel as, you know, relaxation or stress relief, anxiety, cancer treatment. Those are all huge no-nos. And one of the CDC just recently gave fines out to, I believe, about 12 companies that were making those disease mitigating claims. And, and of course, you know, I agree with that because if you're claiming to cure cancer or if you're claiming to help with autism and there hasn't been clinical or case studies on this, that's not great. You know, you need data, you need analytics to showcase that this product is safe and that just takes time. Yep. So since you're not able to market it um, and make the claims that you want to make, I mean, you're on a podcast interview where we're not going to filter that. So what claims, <laughs> if you could market it, would you make? The claims that I would make that, you know, I showcase to our customers are really just the feedback that we get from our customers. So that's one thing that we can't do either. We have to manage and mitigate our testimonials that we get on Google, on our website. We can't even place things on there. Like we have a to us a couple of months ago that said, I have multiple sclerosis and the pandemic completely ruined my will to get up in the morning. So coupling my MS with depression and anxiety, I didn't want to go on and taking your guys's product was the only saving grace that I could find. So, you know, those are the pieces that make us get up and do what we do every day. But, you know, we can't showcase that, right? We can't say, look at what our, our clients are saying, look at how we're helping our customers, but we still have the genuine effect of knowing that because we get that personal iteration. Um, so, I mean, to us, it's, it's not really about marketing or, you know, managing those disease mitigating claims because to us, we know what it does, right? We just can't get on a soapbox and showcase that to a, a lot of people. So I assume y'all are using some some affiliate marketing and stuff like that, something that where you're at least able to get in front of a larger audience with the product, maybe to people that are familiar with 
the claims that you're not able to make, right? So they're familiar with CBD being anxiety or stress or depression relieving. So they're already maybe looking for that product and you're able to have, you know, affiliate marketers help you push that to their audience. That's one thing that we've been conditionally working towards, John. It It's difficult again when we start working with affiliates and influencers and ambassadors because we don't want them saying the wrong thing either. We don't want them putting out disease mitigating claims or saying that our product does something that it doesn't do. So it becomes harder to really advertise in that perspective. So one thing that we've really been focusing on is local events. And that's one of our main, excuse me, one of our main pillars is community. And if you get out there and you actually give a shit about what your community is doing and you give a shit about your customers in that community or the people that are going through it, then the receptivity is generally very strong and you create this gorilla-esque type of word of mouth marketing because your products are good. And that's what we start with. We start with the foundation of quality product, extremely great customer service. We send handwritten notes and everything that we do. We ask for feedback from everyone that we come up to. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. We always want criticism because as a company, we feel like the feedback of our customers and clients should always be driving what we do every single day. No, I love that. I, I definitely see where the uh, community aspect comes in, comes into play. Um, so as far as the manufacturing of y'all's products, how are y'all, are, are y'all actually growing your own products or are y'all working with, um, are y'all white labeling from another company or, or how does that work? How are you able to kind of have that quality assurance that you're getting what you and your customers want? Yeah, great question. So with working in regulatory compliance, I have also consulted for a multitude of not only production facilities, so extraction, manufacturing, kind of that middle of the supply chain, but also consumer goods and end of use products, so e-commerce sites. Uh, what we do for our manufacturing, which is different than most of the other cannabis industry, I'll, let me kind of backpedal to the front of this. Multi-state operators, also known as MSOs, are large scale cannabis firms that operate in multiple states, hence the name. Marijuana focused, but what they do is they tout vertical integration. And a lot of hemp companies tout vertical integration as well. Seed to shelf. We do everything in between. And, you know, from an economics perspective and perspective, that really doesn't sit well with me because I understand that it took Procter and Gamble and Unilever, you know, 50 years to get to vertical integration, right? So right. when I look at that, I institute for a multitude of companies and all of our subsidiaries, what's called horizontal integration, where it's more of this rising tides, lift all boats type of aspect where we go in and I can train and I can delineate on the regulatory side of things, the legislation, why conventional companies and conventional manufacturers can take our raw material and then they could put it in some of their formulation, which they perfected and done a very good job at. And then we have quality packaging, a quality product, a CGMP facility, an FDA registered facility. And we're not stuck behind this timeline of trying to do all of this ourselves. So that's how we operate. All of our products that we operate with in terms of our raw materials are 
tracked all the way back to the seed that goes into the ground. So we can track the lineage, the amount of batch numbers and acreage that that plant came out when it was harvested, when it was put on the truck, all the way to when it went to the extractor, went through that cryoethanol extraction phase, got distilled down like your, your liquor or your bourbon would, and then it gets shipped from there to our manufacturer. And then from there, we can track everything through production, packaging, all the way to the doorstep. And, and for us, you know, that really mirrors a lot of conventional businesses. So any consumer packaged good company kind of operates in the same way. It's just a lot of people don't know and are afraid to bring in raw material or can just because they don't know the regulations. And it's just been a couple of years since the 2018 farm bill has been passed that's allocated this and allowed them to do operations with this type of material. Right. No, that's, that's really interesting. That makes a lot of sense though. Um, I know kind of that, you know, negative feedback towards some of the companies that are just white labeling a product that they've never really looked into and they're just slapping their logo on it. So that's, you know, refreshing to see you and your company that's kind of able to trace it back to the source of where that first seed was. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, there's a lot going on with the industry at all times too, right? So one thing that we do is the formulation of our products are something that a lot of people don't have. That's kind of the unique selling proposition that we offer is that it is CBD that you could feel. Most people try CBD, they get it from a gas station, they find it online somehow, and it doesn't work for them. You know, they, they don't feel it. It's just like, I've tried this for a month and I didn't really notice any effects you know, you try our products and you notice that they are working within 30 minutes. So that's one thing that we can do as well is that, you know, that R&D, so research and development to come into providing products, for symptoms to alleviate different types of, you know, I can't say illnesses, but, you know, right. different types of issues that people are going through. Yeah, that's awesome. So kind of going a, a different direction away from outside CBD and hemp. Where do you see, you know, because I've I, I read a little bit on it that there's a ton of uses for hemp other than just the consumption of the cannabis, right? So where do you see it making the biggest impact to kind of reducing that carbon footprint with some of the plastic or the paper and cardboard manufacturing that's going on? Yeah, great question. I think you just nailed it on the head there. And the industrial side of applications, right? What we're seeing right now is this mass exodus out of oil and gas, even though oil and gas is promising to be carbon neutral by 2030 and they're gonna be completely revamping their manufacturing and plastic producing warehousing and industrial sites, that's never gonna happen. You know, we've seen those, those promises for a very long time. And, you know, what we do see with hemp is that, not only does it sequester carbon when it's growing and in the ground, it sequesters carbon for its entire lifetime. So if that product is turned into building materials like insulation or block, not only does it have a stronger R rating, meaning that you're going to keep your house warmer during the winter months and cooler during the summer months because that R rating is a resistance rating that doesn't let heat or cool air escape or enter. It's also fireproof and more resistant to other elements and stronger, more durable. It actually can intake humidity. So 
down here in the Southeast, we have obviously a lot of humidity inside. It's cooler and drier during the summer months. And then during winter, it will release that humidity that it's actually accumulated throughout the summer. So it's, it's really, really interesting to see all of the multitudes of things that hemp can do, um, you know, from not only block, but uh, clothing, textiles, right? That's cotton is the number one agricultural commodity that uses the most water across the entire world. And it's like 60% more than anything else. So if hemp could come in just like flax did to replace that, again, what we see is, is rayon as being the stretchy pants and new clothes that again, is another plastic and oil and glass, actually be oil and gas industry product. I think hemp can come in and, and start chipping away at those things, the paper market, you know, if we're not looking for white, bright paper, it, it all drives from a sustainability perspective as well, because I mean, not to get off course here, but I could go into a whole foods and whole foods makes its market off of being organic, right? Sustainability, organic products. Well, no one gives a shit about that, that shops at Walmart. Right. No one cares about that on a larger side. So, you know, until you start changing that dialogue and start having that, hey, we are down to the 11th hour. Maybe it does make sense to start, you know, sequestering carbon, giving carbon credits. And I think once farmers realize that, that you can actually get paid to farm something by the government with these carbon credits, you're going to see a shift in movement a lot faster than the change that we would normally see. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's awesome. So, you know, we've talked about kind of a lot here, but what, what's next for, as we kind of start to wrap up, what's next for you, you know, what's next for uh, you and the the flowers company and where are y'all kind of trying to go? What are, what are some of the goals that you have set? Yeah. So some of our goals are always going to be rooted in, in terms of scaling accordingly. Right. I think the, the companies that we aspire to be, and that we try and keep parallel in terms of our mission visions are, you know, the Patagonias of the world, the LL beans where, you know, you take in what you take out, right? We don't want to add more packaging and more non-sustainable materials and throw away packaging. So uh, that's one of our big initiatives right now is, is transitioning into all sustainable packaging. Most of our packaging that we utilize is either recycled ocean plastic or hemp based excuse me, hemp-based plastics for all of our packaging or glass and cork. So that, that's a huge initiative for us is that, you know, obviously these are single use items. We don't want people just tossing and creating more waste for the world. And then secondarily, it's providing the education for the can of curious. I think there are a lot of people that are over drinking. I think that we've become this consumption alcohol type of society where, you know, it's in our everyday lives. And, you know, that was my first job out of college was working for a mass distributor called Republic National Distribution Company. And I loved it. I mean, I, I'm an advocate for alcohol and, and I, you know, drank it all the time, but now knowing that I don't want to have that hangover and I don't want to go through, you know, poisoning my body with a substance that might not be the best for me long-term. It's nice to know that there are ancillary products like cannabis that I can take alongside my friends that drink. I can cut down my alcohol consumption if I don't want to cut it completely out. And those are the types of educational pieces that we want to get out in the marketplace to say, 
hey, there, there's another product. There are other items here that you can take a look at. And they're really not that scary. We're not going to get you high. You're not going to be calling the cops on yourself after taking a brownie. Like Our products are products you could feel, but they aren't going to get you high off your ass, so to speak. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and Chad, I was obviously letting Trusty run with a lot of his questions because of his, uh, he, he, has a, he has knowledge in the space, right? And I think mm-hmm. it's very interesting what he was able to extract from you in, in regards to growing your company, marketing your company, et cetera. But as we close, you know, the final question, you know, obviously it's cliche, but, you know, the final piece of advice for, for people out there that are either wanting to enter into this industry or are wanting to just start a business in general, you know, what, what is that piece of advice for getting started? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the the number one thing about this industry that made me gravitate toward more than anything else is that unlike every other industry, cannabis is actually extremely welcoming. Um, I remember every single day for the first two years that I got into the industry, I was on a call with either a scientist, with an extraction company, with venture capitalists that are heavily invested into the marketplace and industry. And these people were willing to take my calls. And and it's not like two weeks out that I was planning for these. I would reach out via LinkedIn and I would get these meetings with these guys and, and they would just be a wealth of information because they wanted to talk about it. And that's really exciting about this industry is that people want to talk about it. So the easiest way in your traditional skill set. What are you good at? What have you become an expert in or what are you becoming an expert in? And how can you translate that into the industry? For me, I was really good at sales and I'm, I'm a great sales consultant. So building those sales teams, but doing it the right way is what I translated. And then I got to know the supply side. I got to know multitude of other broad perspectives. And it was a really easy transition for me because again, like any burgeoning marketplace or a new industry, there isn't a lot of competition and it's a blue ocean market. So if we're talking about starting outside of this industry or or starting a new business, I think the number one thing that helps is just talking with people, listening to podcasts like this, hearing founder stories, because at the end of the day, you're going to find what sparks your passion based off of what you hear. You know, one thing that I like to always say is that our lives are just mosaics of every experience that we have. And if you don't have those experiences, if you don't have those calls, if you don't listen to these podcasts, if you don't read those books and then apply that to your daily life, then you don't get to experience what that could be or or what that passion may ensue down the line. I love that. I think it's a very powerful answer. And I think you know, getting started isn't of itself tough. You just have to start, take that first step, but knowing what you're good at, knowing what opportunities lie out there and then just diving into knowledge and being a sponge and soaking it all up. So again, it's a great knowledge. Chad, if someone wants to get in touch with you either about um, your company or just asking you a general question about business or maybe even talking about the podcast, what's the best place to reach you? Yeah, the best place to reach me is via email. You can reach me at Chad, so that's C-H-A-D at pickflowers.com. And that's flowers with a Z. Uh, You can visit us on Instagram at at pickflowers or on Facebook with the same. Uh, We're on all social and, you know, we're always open to anyone reaching out. I'm an open book. So questions, concerns, just want a sounding board to listen. Feel free to always reach out and we'll always make time. 
Awesome. Appreciate it, Chad. Guys, reach out to Chad. Let him know what you thought about the episode. Ask him anything you want to know about his company or business in general. Chad, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Likewise, Brady. Thank you, John. Yep. Thanks, Chad. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nash Biz Podcast. We post new episodes every single week, and we'd greatly appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.